Here's the Smart Retirement Cast brought to you by Smart Retirement Media. Now, here's your hosts, Mike and Matt. All right, listeners, we're back for another live Smart Retirement Podcast. Matt, happy St. Patrick's Day to you, my friend. Hey, happy St. Patty's Day to you, buddy. Most of our listeners are probably not at a bar right now at 8 a.m. on a Wednesday. Probably not. But, but for those of you that are at a bar listening to us, kudos to you because you, you're, you're either not at the right bar or you found yourself so addicted with the information that we give you that you just don't want to miss out. And I, I cheers you to that. Uh, Matt, by the way, cheers. You got your green beer? We've Sweet. got our green beer in spirit of St. Patrick's Day. Um, and listeners, this is the second part of our two-part series, The Value of Preventing Healthcare Costs in Retirement. Super important. Not always the most sexy, fun to talk about topic for us because it, you know we like to talk about things like income or asset preservation or wealth, wealth growth. And, and what's going to be talked about today is more of just managing your healthcare costs, protecting yourself and putting yourself in the right frame of mind, not just financially, but also how you use those, the, the expenses wisely as you come up on day-to-day preventative care and potentially some um, other big stuff out of the blue. Um, so Matt, we had last, the last episode, part one, we had Dr. Ken Oda from Scottsdale on the show. That was great. Thank you for setting that up. I think the listeners love that. Very unique to have a physician on this show, not a normal thing that we do. But like we told you at the beginning of the year, we're going to try to have more guests on the show because we think it gives you a different perspective right while you're listening to the podcast, mowing your lawn, doing the dishes, folding laundry, whatever you do while you listen to podcasts on your way to work. But he gave us some good insight on the right things to do and how to be preventative. Matt, what you're going to teach us today is some of the stuff you talk about in your webinars and seminars with your clientele because you are so focused on managing this big risk, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We can save, and this is, you know, we talked about this a lot in the last episode, but we can save, 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 work our butts off and all for what? I mean, we can get sick when we get older and how are we gonna pay for it, right? So I think it's a, it's a really important topic to talk about. Um, in the last episode, I wanted to touch on um, health savings accounts a little bit, but we kind of ran out of time. So I'm gonna start off today's talking about that a little bit. We'll probably take a break. And then when we come back from the break, we're gonna get into long-term care and Medicare, Medicaid, some of that type of stuff. But uh, before we get into that, we had a question that came in, and the question is for right. you, Mike. So if we could go over that, let's see here. We've got um, Jack from San Diego. So it looks like Jack was looking to try to do some refis here in the future, he was getting his tax stuff together. And he heard that just this week or last week, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are planning to no longer offer uh, loans and things on investment properties or second homes. Is that, what's, what's up with that? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I think it's Jack, right? Jack yeah, from San Diego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jack is um, probably getting this from another loan officer because there wasn't a lot of news about it. 
but that is correct last week so that would have been so the 17th is the wednesday so the 10th of la- of march last week fannie mae and freddie mac decided to just email us casually all of us brokers or mortgage officers even those in institutions and said we're just really over leveraged on the investment properties where we're, we've got too many of them everyone's that has an investment property has, has done a new loan also what we're starting to see is that people are telling us or loan officers are convincing clients to um, write up loans as second homes or second vacation homes or properties but it's very difficult for the banks to govern that type of occupation so when you have a second home you sign a a covenant on the note there's actually a document that specifically states you know that occupation or mortgage fraud is investigated by the fbi now the questions i'm about to ask you are going to be how you occupy this home because it gives that bank security that the collateral that they're holding is properly assessed in the interest rate and um, so jack what i'm telling you here is like if you were to well let me answer your question directly yes last week fannie mae and freddie mac said you know what we got to put pump the brakes and stop doing these investment loans right now and second homes there's too many loans coming in there's too much volume we're not able to assess properly and and crank out the loans and cover the loans and purchase them from guys like me central coast lending or the company i work for or brokers like me so what we're going to do is we're going to overprice these products so much that no one's going to borrow money against them so we went from probably 2.875 to three and a quarter depending on your equity position to four and a half overnight so what that says is it's basically like that's like bear spray, right, Matt? You're just you're pushing everyone away from you. Sure. You don't want another loan in that category. You don't care how much revenue you're losing because they've got to get a better system in place for managing the products that they have. The mortgage-backed security market is fascinating if you're in it because there are usually three touches before, two to three touches before it gets to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And, and I know I might be going down a rabbit hole here, but I wanna say this really quick, that you know the average bank is closing your loan, and within a week, they're selling it to someone else that's gonna service that loan for six months. That six month performance gives them, the servicer, the ability to package a bunch of other loans like it, so same FICO score, same loan to value other in other words equity position same type of occupation when i say occupation i mean primary residence like where you live with your family and your kids where you drive home every day and park in the driveway you're not going to mess that up that's something sacred second home so a lake house a ski home and then the third one is an investment property and the investment property is really the worst collateral and just think about it. I mean, anyone that's trying to survive is going to collect rent from the tenant and not pay the bank. They're going to just put themselves in a terrible position. Hopefully that doesn't happen to anyone, but that's how the foreclosure process starts. So these investment homes and second homes, they're getting very muddied right now in the marketplace. Loan officers and other individuals are saying, yeah, I mean, it's going to be my second home when I go see it, but 
when I'm not there, I'm going to put it on VRBO and Airbnb because it's so easy to make money. And now these, these technology companies have just annihilated the everyday average vacation home rental company. And so they're just saying yes to a person like me and signing a document that says, sure, yeah, whatever, I'm going to make it um, my second home. But they're actually abusing or violating the covenants of the note. So that's why Fannie Mae and Freddie Mae have stopped. I'm not trying to take their side. I'm just saying that there's a reason for this. And unfortunately, the only reason to combat it in the marketplace, because they can't just say, they can't just reject loans. That would be, that's just not the way banks practice. So what they do is they turn up the rates so that no one in, under the sun is going to want to pay that. Or in you know on the flip side, being able to leverage it and give themselves some security by having that higher rate for the defaulted notes that may come later, right? Yes. So there's that is correct. So they're they're pricing in the risk. Right. That's what mortgage banks do. I mean, you know that you talk about risk all day long, Matt. Yep. But what I as a loan officer have to understand is that I can't charge someone more than three points total in the transaction, and so as the transaction is going on. I'm looking at that I, as your advisor. I don't want to charge you three points because it's predatory, but also to meet compliance, I got to make sure that the summation of all the escrow fees and the bank fees and the total costs for the loan are not exceeding three points. At that point, it becomes a non-qualified mortgage, which means I can't sell it, which means we'll get all the way down to like the last couple of days before we go to close. And if you're working with a loan officer that doesn't know what they're doing, someone in management is going to come up and say, I'm really sorry we can't close your loan because I can't sell it. Sure. And this loan officer just didn't know that. But what they're doing is they're pricing the loan so high that if someone wants to be even competitive enough to get a rate close to what the market was before this reprice, they have to pay three or four points. So then sure. the loan can't close. And so what is this? It's basically like, hey, time out. We're going to take a three to four week break and see how everything goes this year. We got quarter three coming up, or excuse me, third month closing and quarter one coming up. We're going to see how earnings reports go for the stock market. We got the stimulus coming out. We got Biden, you know, throwing vaccines out of B2 bombers to everyone. So we got we got enough stuff that we can just sit back and wait. We don't need to take this risk anymore. Yep. So, Jack, that's what happened if you're if you were waiting on the fence to file your tax returns or just didn't really like the idea of refinancing yet you miss the boat if you want to refinance a, a, an investment property a second home primary residences we're going to do those all day long it's the best collateral under the sun i mean you're just not going to uh jeopardize where you sleep with your family and and throw that under the bus absolutely and uh that's Jack a longer answer than we probably wanted but i think it was it allowed me to warm up which i feel good now good Good. And maybe not, uh, you know, everyone should know that uh, I was feeling a little guilty drinking a beer on the show, but we are recording this the night before uh, St. Patty's Day. So we're not drinking right. at eight o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's all good. But while you're listening to this, we're usually responding to an inbox full of emails. <laughs> and uh, Jack, thanks again for uh, writing in to us and yes. listeners if uh, or viewers, if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, you know, make sure to either write in any questions that you have to an email at uh, info at smartretirementcast.com or you can give us a call at 866-53-RETIRE. 
Um, Mike, I want to jump in before we go to break here and talk a little bit about health savings accounts and FSAs. Um, and just, okay, yeah. And an FSA is a flexible spending account. And just kind this of- This is the appetizer course for the show, right? Correct. So, you know, we had Dr. Oda on, uh, you know, in our last episode. And the big thing with Dr. Oda was he's a basically a concierge doctor. So he's not taking insurance. So right. how can you, you know, pay someone like that rather than just paying for it out of your own pocket? That's kind of where the HSA is going to come in, right? So an HSA and an FSA are both tax advantaged accounts. Um, so essentially kind of like an IRA almost where you can put the money in tax deferred or actually not even taxed at all, it's pre-tax. And then as long as you use the funds for qualified medical expenses, the money is not taxed. So the big difference between an HSA and an FSA is an HSA, you can go out if you have a high deductible health insurance plan. So every year they come up with the limitations and things for that. Um, but your deductible, I believe for 2021, can't be less than $1,400 on your particular health plan. And that's on an individual's plan. Um, and then with that, you've got the HSA, or the, excuse me, the FSA, which is going to be primarily only offered through an employer. So we're seeing less and less businesses offer these types of things, uh, unfortunately, but if you've got one, it might be worth taking advantage of. Now the contribution limits for an FSA are lower than your health savings account that you could go out and set up on your own. The benefit of the HSA as well is while the money is sitting in that account, some custodians, or when I say custodians, you know, whoever's holding the account can give you investment options. So that money is essentially growing tax-free as long as you use it for medical expenses. And, you know, one of the things that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show is long-term care. And if you're thinking about getting long-term care, why not put money into an HSA now to fund your long-term care premiums that you're going to pay for later? Right. So you're essentially being able to write off now what you're going to be paying for your long term care insurance premiums without having to pay tax on it. So just a little tip to the listeners out there on that. Um, let's see. I have the IRS limits on these. I wanted to share that with everyone. So currently you can contribute up to thirty six hundred dollars a year for twenty twenty one. That's up fifty dollars from twenty twenty. And the maximum out of pocket that you can use per year is 7,000. Now those numbers are doubled uh, in a family coverage situation. Um, and if you are over the age of 55, you can actually contribute an additional $1,000, very similar to like a catch-up plan when you would look at um, an IRA or a Roth IRA with the contribution limits on that. Um, one of the big differences between the HSA and the FSA is your HSA, the money that's in there is rolled over year after year. So if you don't use it one year, you can use it the following year, the year after that. Whereas the rollover on the FSA is capped at $500. So you're not allowed to roll as much over. Uh, so I guess what I'm getting at there is the HSA makes a lot of sense, but normally it's going to be something you wanna start when you're 
younger and don't have a whole lot of medical expenses, right? Because you're, you're susceptible yourself to having this higher deductible health insurance plan. So you're basically laying the responsibility for paying all these costs to yourself, which may or may not be a good idea. But as I said, if you're younger, could make sense. Um, Mike, I know you had a, a, a sheet there that kind of talked about the qualified medical expenses, but I think we can kind of keep it, um, you know, on a high level with that. Uh, you know, really what we're looking at is, you know, if you've got out-of-pocket medical costs for prescriptions, uh, you can actually use it for uh, some of your co-payments, co-insurance type of things. Uh, if you've got additional um, uh, insurance that's not... Um, Medic, like a Medicare supplement, it won't cover a supplement, but if you have additional stuff there, you can do that. Um, dental, vision, that type of stuff, you know, that's what you can be using an HSA for. So, well, what I like about it, if yeah. I may chime in, Matt, Please. is that so there's the FSA is purely employer related, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's not that our clients, I mean, they, we have people of all age groups that listen to the show. Absolutely. I have a, I have a 35 year old client that listens to the show. So, he, he could easily benefit from an FSA if the employer offers it. F, HSA, two reasons I love it. First reason, I think you hit the nail on the head. If you start it early, and when I mean early, I'm not talking like in your 30s. I'm saying in your 50s. Mm -hmm. Your 50s, you're still very healthy. I mean, you should be. Um, and unless you're living like Hugh Hefner, you should be healthy. And so you can you can roll that over every year and by the time you hit 60 which was this is the phase we've talked about listeners the the transitional years that's like 58 to 65 those are the anywhere in there i could probably retire i'm a little bit greedy so i'm gonna push social security out more so i'll keep working half time that's fine but you're continuously adding to your hsa account which can get up to 40 50 $60,000 over time. And now those are funds that are, those are just like smart retirement planning funds. Like you get the money that you match for, right? Get the match from your employer. Then get the money that go, put it in your HSA or your Roth. That is, you know, actually the HSA would be better than a Roth because you can put it in and still get the 401k or the IRA tax exemption, right? Right. So that's the big difference. So like a Roth, you still have to pay the money, uh, taxes on the money when you take it out, when you put right. it in an account, right? Which is, you know, kind of like a hybrid. The HSA is like a hybrid between a Roth and a traditional because as long as it's used for healthcare expenses, you get to write off the money it goes in and you don't have to pay any tax on it when it comes out. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think is for a smart retiree, it's definitely a, a good move to be putting some funds in there. Now, if you're listening and saying, well, that, that'd be great if I was 50, but I'm 63. Well, the nice thing is if you're 63, you probably have done a couple things right with your assets over time and you have some liquidity. Good for you. Cheers to you. Yep, absolutely. But, you, but now you can fund that HSA every year, right? And if you take on the health savings, here's how insurance works. The more risk you take on as the, the client or the consumer, the lower the premium is, right? The lower the monthly payment is. Yep. So just like people are doing a refinance with me to save three, $400 a month, you could be saving three, $400 a month on your health insurance yep. by taking this HSA account. Now, initially you're gonna have to take a, probably a deductible that's 
looks pretty large to what you've been used used to. Sixty five hundred dollars, yeah. maybe a family deductible of thirteen grand. That's going to sound crazy, but as you prime the pump and put the maximum amount of dollars in this thing, you're going to give yourself benefits. Not only will you reduce your adjustable gross income for tax purposes, that's like a sidebar. What I'm talking about is you're getting in the right frame of mind, like Dr. Oda was talking about, which which his show is about, is preventing large healthcare costs. Yep. Don't buy. Don't double down on more Apple stock until you have this stuff, people, because this is the stuff that comes out of left field. Yeah. Like on a Thursday on the golf course, your arm hurts, and then next Friday you're in the hospital because you're having a minor heart attack. Yeah. And this isn't one of those things that we can just catch up on later in life. Um, you know the yeah, because they cap it. Yeah. After once you're on Medicare or eligible for Medicare, you can no longer contribute to an HSA. So right. what are we saying? Sixty-five for the most part. Um, you're done. So again, if you are in good enough health, go ahead and start one of these things. You know, talk with your CPA, figure out how it's going to work. It makes sense for all of you out there as smart retirees. Um, Mike, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we come back. Yeah, let's I want to jump into uh, talking about Medicare, long-term care, uh, a little bit of Medicaid. So. Listeners, stick around. We'll be right back. It's been a roller coaster of a start to the new decade. From the pandemic to the election, record low interest rates, a wild market, home prices that seem to have no ceiling. It leaves us asking, what's next? Can the economy and the market continue to grow? What will this past election do to my investments? Is it time to sell my home before the market adjusts to downsize? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer is simple. It never hurts to get a second opinion. From a team like Century Financial Consultants, with a over 40 years of financial planning experience. Get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants today to see where you stand and if you're ready for any changes we may face in the coming year. Give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Prepare for an uncertain tomorrow so you can relax and enjoy today. Get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Century Financial Consultants, California license number 0 L23991 and 0175638. Listeners, it's Mike Points here again, and I wanted to let you know that I've had so many conversations already about refinancing consumer debt that was racked up in 2020 for my clients. I don't always recommend doing a refinance to pay off consumer debt, but 2020 was a year like no other, where income was just cut off, or assets didn't perform as well as they could have, and you may have racked up some credit card bills or taken out a personal loan, or your home equity line of credit is at a higher balance than you really want it to be. Let's talk about how a refinance could be smart for you to consolidate this debt, get your payment down, and get you back on track. Let's start by you going to advicebeforeprice.com where you can reach out to me privately. Again, that's advicebeforeprice.com and we'll start the conversation there. I have loan officers I'm networked with all over the nation and I will put you in touch with them after we have our first discussion. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Let's get back to the show. NMLS number 1246224. 
Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS number 328358. Mike Points is a licensed loan officer in California, NMLS number 1246224, and is only licensed to offer advice on mortgage products. He is not licensed as an investment advisor. All of the mortgage products Mike Points will discuss on this show are for educational purposes, and these products should be reviewed by a licensed loan officer before taking these mortgages on as your own, as they may not fit your specific situation or needs. Okay, listeners, we are back from that short break. And I got to tell you, Matt, I have so much enthusiasm right now about this economy that we're in. I think that the vaccines are starting to make everyone feel a bit more comfortable. Doesn't mean you should go out and be 100% comfortable, but I'm seeing restaurants open. Most of the areas where I live in California have gone from red to purple. Am I saying that right? Which one's... I don't know how California's doing it. I think it's backwards. Purple. Red's bad. Blue is great. So purple. So we're... And people have just this... It's like this post-war spirit going on. You know, everyone's kind of like, hey, we're back. We're supporting local. I'm I'm really excited about that. And I, I know this isn't completely on topic today, but we are talking about health which has a little bit to do with this COVID thing. So what I like best about our show is that, you know, this part series is that it is something that's on the forefront of everyone's mind. You know, it's early in the year. So you're thinking, hey, I could lose a couple pounds. It's, uh, it's the end, the beginning of the end of a pandemic. So everyone's focused on their health, but also it's that time of year for a lot of retirees where they're maybe on their home stretch to retiring. Like they know they've got three more months left or this is the last year they're going to do their self-employed gig. And so this is really a good topic to have beginning of the year because it just allows you to focus on stuff we talk about in our wealth triangle. Listeners, if you're coming onto this show for one of the first times or you haven't listened to season two the wealth triangle episode it's three-part series that bo- imagine a triangle just envision it you don't even have to go um check out the episodes yet but envision a wealth triangle and the bottom of the triangle is the biggest base and the the excuse me the bottom of the triangle is the biggest portion of the shape and that's where you focus on things like risk management making sure you have liquidity all the stuff that like no matter what comes at you, you're not going to lose your lifestyle or you're not going to lose your assets. And so long-term care is right up in there with all those things. And it gets overlooked because it feels like a scam to some people, or it feels like, why would I lay out all this money if I'm not sick now? Mm-hmm. Right. And Matt, what you do so well is you help under, you help people that you're almost like the ghost of Christmas future. Right. You come in and say like, hey, look, you're healthy today, but this is what you're going to look like in 12 years from now. And if you don't plan properly, you're going to have what is today a nine thousand dollar expense is going to be about a thirteen or fourteen thousand dollar expense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. 
And, and not only that, you may not even be able to afford living and getting that expense in your home. You might have to, it's not going to be a decision between like A and B in your home. It's going to be like this care in your home is a lot more than this care outside of your home. And when you leave your home, what do you have? For most people, you have a mortgage payment, property taxes, insurance. So now you're leaving your home sooner than you wanted to just to afford care. Yeah. And so I know you're not going to touch on all the doom and gloom, Matt, because that's not your style. You don't close on fear. But I think that I think that you this this part of the show is very important because you're going to help people understand that if you're preventing this big risk in retirement, this is a big key tool to have in your shed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's really a, a tipping point, too. Uh, when you start looking at the costs for long-term care. So um, Genworth, for any of the listeners out there, I'll put a link to this on our Facebook page, um, but Genworth is one of the larger carriers for long-term care insurance. And they do a really good job of doing cost studies year by year to kind of show you in your area, you can put in your, your zip code and it'll show you what the costs of care are in your particular area. So, you know, I was just looking on, a, on an national average, um, you know, long-term care could be as much as uh, about $106,000 a year on a national average. Now, if I go into, let's say, California, for instance, um, let's see what that looks like here. We go into California, and those numbers go up by about 15%, right? So it's really depending on where you're at, how these things will affect you. Um, so you really want to be planning ahead and, you know, if every day until 2030, there's 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 and studies have shown that seven out of 10 of those individuals will need some type of long-term care. Okay. That might be, you know, home services, right? That's still enough. That's probably still about. Uh, about $55,000 a year if you're going to need you know, stuff at home. So what do you do, right? And how do you prepare? What can you do as far as outlining the costs for this? What can you do ahead to prepare? So I'm not going to get totally into it today. I do want to cover um, some of the basics, though. And the first thing that I hear from most people is, well, I have Medicare. If I get sick, Medicare is going to take care of me, right? Wrong. Okay, so Medicare was for general health insurance expenses um, when it's all said and done. It's not going to take care of any type of long-term care. Um, It will take care of some of it. So Medicare will cover the first 20 days out of the hospital in in a skilled nursing facility. They will not cover it if you go straight home. So there's some issues there. as far as Medicare. hey Matt, yeah, can I just can you? I mean, I this is like so far from what I normally talk about. Yeah. Can you just take like thirty seconds or or less? And what is a long term care expense? So a long term care expense, great question. So we can talk a little bit about what really long term care is, right? So long term care really is going to be some type of care that's going to basically last with you for for the most part through your lifetime, right? So that's where we see it um, coming in a lot now is with dementia and Alzheimer's. 
And right, right now there's currently 5.8 million Americans that have Alzheimer's. And they're saying that that number uh, by 2050 is going to increase to almost 14 million people. Okay. So we're not talking about a little bit of money. I mean, if we're talking 80, 100, $120,000 a year in expense, and that's in today's dollars, right? So if we go out 10 years, you know, and look at it, we're, it's $150,000, you know, for a skilled nursing facility. So what are the types of facilities, right? So what do we have? So most people, and I know this is how I would be if I can, is going to want some type of home care service, right? And so you've got two options there. You've got home care, and then you've got home health aid services. So home care is just going to be someone coming in with a, it's hands-off care. So they're coming in with cooking, cleaning, running errands, and doing those types of things, right? Whereas your home health aid services, that's going to be someone hands-on helping with the bathing, uh, dressing, eating, medication, all that stuff, right? When it becomes a point to where you're unable to stay at home, the next thing usually is going into an assisted living facility. So assisted living, um, they're going to have your personal care, your health services and things like that. They're available to you. Um, usually they're going to be cooking all the meals and everything there. Uh, and then as if things escalate and you have to be into like a memory care, um, that's when the nursing home or the skilled nursing facilities really come in. So does that answer kind of what you were wanting to get at? Mike? Yeah, I just wanted to help delineate the difference between, you know, health care and long term care. Sure. Yeah, long-term was, care is one of the things that, if not done properly, is I mean, can absolutely grenade a retirement plan. And one of the things when I first got into the industry was I got a designation that's called a CMP or a Certified Medicaid Planner. And unfortunately, what happens is, if not planned properly, you go on, you go in, you're diagnosed, let's say, with an Alzheimer's, right? You come out of the hospital, you go into a, a facility. Medicare picks up the first 20 days, you're paying, they'll, they'll cover up to the first 100. So there's, it's, it gets a little tricky there. So day 21 through 100, you have to supplement a little bit of it out of pocket and then they'll cover the rest. But after day 100, so day 101, you're on your own, right? And so now you're in a situation where you're either A, spending down your assets or B, have a plan in place, right? And right. we talk about that all the time in the show is plan, 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 right? Having a smart retirement plan for you so you can navigate some of these things because it's I, I tell you i mean i've sat with families that their mom dad has been diagnosed with alzheimer's they've done no planning and once you're diagnosed with it you can get insurance to help protect against the cost right yeah that's like getting flood insurance when the water's coming down the street exactly so preparing ahead of time now medicaid most people think is a um, system that basically once you run out of money, you then qualify for, right? Which is true to an extent. Um, there are some ways in certain states and feel free to reach out to me uh, via email or phone and we can talk about this, but California, Arizona, most states, uh, Nevada is one that we, this really wouldn't work in. Um, Pennsylvania is a little weird, but with the exception of those two states, uh, we can probably make something work on Medi-Cal or Medicaid for you. Um, what happens there is there's actually some ways that you can shelter your assets inside of your existing retirement plan 
to avoid having to utilize those for long-term care and actually have the government come in and help um, supplement those costs for you through the Medicaid system. So if that's something that interests you, because a lot of people that I talk to, they're like, you know, long-term care insurance sounds great, but I'm not going to need it. It'll be the other guy, right? And the biggest thing that I hear the most about long-term care insurance is, well, if I pay into it, and don't use it, I lose all that money, right? So that's kind of a turnoff, but how can you figure out a way to do that? So if you're A, not wanting to contribute to any type of insurance policy, then maybe protecting it with some type of Medicaid idea and a plan for later on, and this will only work if you're married, um, might be right for you. So if it is something you'd like to learn more about, 866-53-RETIRE, and that's 866-53-RETIRE, or shoot me an email at info at smartretirementcast.com. Now, we can talk a little bit about long-term care insurance because I think that is important. So Yeah, I hope you do. I hope you do. But I love that we're layering this approach to smart retirement, right? So you've got the HSA that you could build up over time. And let's say every year, the only benefit you get from it is that you no longer have to pay dental insurance our vision insurance because you just pay for those services out of pocket through the HSA, all the while lowering your AGI, your adjustable gross income. You're just building more chips that you can use later in life. And now you may not need a full long-term care insurance plan, which Matt's about to talk about, but you can pull from this HSA. Sure, if you pull from it from a non-eligible expense, it's a taxable event, but all the while, it's in an HS. Most of these HSA accounts, like you said, Matt, are custodian viewed. Like you can put them in funds and assets and they can grow tax deferred. So you guys, why, if you've got fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 in the bank already and you feel comfortable with that emergency fund, why are you going to tack another $10,000 on that thing? Right. Put it in a health savings account. Let it be for later in life. If you need it, if you got to go on a vacation that you didn't plan for and you need to go now, you can take the money out. You got to pay taxes on it, mm-hmm. but you would have paid taxes on it anyway if you put it in your bank account, right? And it's not going to get the same type of return. And so I love that we're layering this thing. So now we're getting up to like the, okay, now I should have a carrier meet me halfway as a partner. I'm going to have a policy that helps take care of the real expenses. So Matt, yeah. lay that Lay that out for us on how that works. And you hit that right, that nail right on the head, Mike. I mean, with the HSA, you're talking about paying for vision, dental, things like that. Okay. Pay for your long-term care premiums with it. You're allowed to do I it. I think you can, right? Yeah. It's so, an eligible expense. It is. So That's so brilliant. You're going to have to give the money to the IRS anyways. Put it in the HSA. Fund a long-term care insurance policy for yourself. So you don't have to trouble your family with the issue later on in life. Cha-ching. Smart retirement idea. There we yeah. go. Yep. That's like the idea of the day. That's the idea of the day. Use the HSA yeah. to basically use money that you're going to pay tax on anyways. Don't pay tax on it and pay for your long-term care insurance with it. I mean, it's a win-win. Now, yes. let's talk about what the different long-term care insurances are out there. There's tons of different carriers out there. If you need help navigating that, happy to run some quotes for you. So you have your traditional long-term care insurance, and that's what we, I kind of referenced earlier, which is if you don't use it, you lose it. And with your traditional policy, the expense to open the policy is going to be less than some of these other 
what we like to call hybrid policies in the industry. So essentially you'll pay into it over time. Sometimes you can do a 10 or a 15 pay uh, into it so you don't have to pay for it uh, for your whole life expectancy. Um, if you need the care, essentially what happens is you've got six adult daily living requirements, right? That's your bathing, your eating, ambulating, walking, transferring, all those. Um, if you are without two of those, the insurance policy will then go ahead and start paying for that care. So two things. And that's not just for one day. It's not like the day after St. Patrick's Day. If you can't do two of those six things, you get qualified. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. And it has to be diagnosed usually by a doctor. Um, so two things to keep an eye out for there is one with the policy, there is a thing called an, an elimination period, which means you have to be in a facility for X amount of days before the policy will start to pay. Okay? Right. Kind of yeah. like disability. Yeah. So we just talked about Medicare, right? Medicare is going to pick up the first 20 days of you in a facility and will cover and help supplement the next 21 through 100. So normally what I say is on an elimination period, do a 90-day elimination period policy. That we have about a 10-day gap, but you're not paying for more than you need, right? The insurance sales guy that is showing you the policy wants to write it at zero because his commission's higher than it is at 90, right? So another smart retirement tip there. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I would also recommend is there's a cost of living adjustment available in all of these policies, whether we're talking traditional or a hybrid policy. You want to do that right so if you start a policy off now that let's say it's 300 dollars a day of a benefit that it'll give you make sure you have at least a five percent cost of living adjustment rider enhancement on that policy yes it's going to cost more it will be worth it with the prices of healthcare. i mean we just talked about it how many baby boomers you know are coming up over the next 10 years how many of those are going to need care right so what's going to happen Either they're going to have to seven out of ten. Seven out of ten, right? So seven out of ten of those millions of baby boomers that are coming up are going to need some type of care. Well, I can tell you right now, we don't have the infrastructure and stuff to support having all those people in a home today. So what's going to happen? They're going to build more facilities, and just like your basic economics class, what happens when demand gets high? Prices go higher, right? So you want to make sure that you've got some type of cost of living adjustment on that policy. So I'm not a huge fan of traditional uh, long-term care insurance, just for the fact that you're putting in the money and if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, on the other flip side, if you are running the health savings account idea and you were going to give the money to the IRS anyways, then that might be your way to go, right? But what they've done over the last 10 to 15 years is they've kind of tried to make this more appealing to your you know, more affluent investor, I guess you would say. So same type of deal, you're gonna be putting in money over a period of time, you can actually put in a lump sum amount. Let's say you've got some just sitting in a savings account, or maybe you've got that HSA account that you've had for 10, 15 years that you really haven't touched anything out of it, right? So we could look at utilizing that and funding it over a you know five, five to seven year period. So what happens with a hybrid policy is there's usually some type of death benefit associated with it, which means, let's say you put in $200,000, right? And you pass away without using the policy. There's probably gonna be some fees and things in there, but your estate probably would, or your spouse, whoever the surviving beneficiary is, 
is going to probably receive about $180,000 back out of that mm -hmm. thing. So you've sacrificed 20 grand, but have that peace of mind knowing that a, your spouse was still going to get the money back, but you would have the care if needed. Right. Um, some of these long-term care policies, we can get them to where they are uh, tax deferred and there are some tax advantages there. Um, that would be just kind of looking around, seeing what policy makes the most sense for you. Um, and, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, you really have got three, let's call it four different ways you can fund long-term care, right? So option A is do absolutely nothing and self-fund it. And listen, if you've got a, a few million dollars, okay, great. That might work for you. But, you know, the average American in this country is going to most likely go broke trying to fund their own long-term care. Okay. So then you have three others, right? We can look at Medicaid and see if there's a way that we can utilize your current existing assets and put those into a category where they won't be recognized as an asset when qualifying for Medicaid. Right. Right. You've got traditional long-term care. That's your, you don't use it, you lose it type of policy, or you've got a hybrid policy, which could have some type of death benefit or maybe even living benefit available to it. Um, one thing I do want to tack on to this is I have a lot of clients that have older annuities and things that um, they think their money's locked up in. Make sure to look at your annuity contracts. Um, most annuity contracts have two things. They have A, a terminal illness waiver. So if you become terminally ill, they'll actually give you all the money back out of your policy with no penalties or a confinement waiver. So in a situation like a long-term care need, um, they will release the money back out to you as well. Now, nice. yeah, and keep an eye out on some of those, uh, you know, if you bought them with what's called an income rider on them, sometimes the income riders can actually be doubled for a period of five years to help cover long-term care expenses. So check out your policies. If you need a second set of eyes, again, to look at any of this, give you some actual personalized advice, happy to do it, 866-53-RETIRE. And that's 866-53-RETIRE or shoot us an email at info at smartretirementcast.com. So, Mike, I think uh, I don't want to bore everyone with long-term care. It's not the most exciting topic to talk about, but uh, nonetheless. That's why we have green beer. We have green beer. And we want everyone to uh, have a happy and safe St. Patrick's Day. And, yes. Uh, Mike, I'm heading out your way here uh here in a couple days. So I'm looking forward to- Yeah, we're gonna host you here on the central coast of California. Looking forward to it. Come out and- uh, It's gonna be good. For something, so. Listeners, we uh, appreciate you tuning in today and uh, we hope you will tune in to our next episode. So we will be back with more Smart Retirement Podcast on the, what, next, not next Tuesday. It's gonna be the <laughs> last week of March. It'll be the last week of March. Perfect. Well, in that case, listeners, let's go out and make the rest of our lives the best of our lives. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or construed as providing specific investment advice. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast. California license number 0175638 and MLS number 1246224.